Thanks for listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. If you're in the Orlando area, we hope you're able to join us for one of our services. Please check out faithassembly.org for more information or follow us on social media at faithORL. We hope this message will be an inspiration to help you find all that God has for your life. Enjoy the message. I will try to keep it like toned down tonight, but I have a feeling that it's gonna be one of those services. You know what I'm saying? Man, I'm so honored and so grateful uh, to be on this stage today, to be a part of this church. Um, From the first time I stepped foot into Faith Assembly, I've been plotting on how I was gonna get back. Uh, And I'll tell you, it has been just the grace of God, the mercy of God uh, that I got to move my family here. I I remember uh, just last year when I was here sharing, I told you, I believe this is one of the greatest churches on the planet. And some of you clapped and others of you nodded your head. And I'm telling you, this church is so amazing and so wonderful. And the hand of God is on this house. We moved our family all the way from Michigan. We're like, we're not missing out on what God is doing here. I'm so grateful, so honored to be here. And uh, man, I think our pastor is the greatest pastor in the world. Come on, can you just clap for him today? And I promise you I won't do that every time, but for the first time, I really believe it. I'm so honored to be here, uh, so grateful. Like, like he said, my name is Peter Reeves, and uh, this is our home church. That has a good ring to it, our home church, amen. And uh, man, I, I just wanna get into it tonight because I see the timer going already. A couple things about me. Number one is I, I come from an African Pentecostal home, okay? And so uh, what that means is, is, is I'm loud, okay? And uh, I get a little fiery, you know what I mean? Like, like, I, like I could just be preaching to you, you know what I mean? And then I start going, and then I hit you with a <laughs> Sometimes, hey, the Bible says uh, that God, you know, like I could do all that. And, and, then, and then we start taking up random offerings and it gets real weird in here, you know. Uh, but I come from an African Pentecostal home. And uh, so some of you don't understand what that means. Like some of you guys got put in timeout. Brian, go to time. My mom was like, here is a spear, you know, like that kind of thing. And uh, she, she made us, she made me praise in the house of the Lord. She, she made me talk back to the preacher. She was like, son, you're not just going to be talking back to everybody else and not talk back to the preacher when it comes time to preach the word. So I'm going to just let y'all know today, it's okay to talk back. It's okay to share. You might raise your hand and say, that's a word for me. Or you could just look at someone and don't know. It's a word for them. Amen. And and lastly today, let me just go ahead and say this today, is um, I, I feel like the word that the Lord has put on my heart is directly in line with the vision that God has put on this house to deepen the stakes. Man, I've just been meditating on this word, and as I was praying it through God, what should I say to our church tonight as we figure out how to deepen the stakes? I decided uh, that we're going to preach on the promises of God tonight. I'm going to preach on the promises of God tonight, and uh, I want to just get right into it. I don't want to waste any more time. Romans chapter 9 today, verse 10. That's where I'm going today. Romans chapter 9, verse 10. If you need it on the screen, I'm sure it's coming on the screen. You can go wherever you want. I'm going to Romans chapter 9 today. So here it goes. It says, and that's not the only time to Rebecca also a promise was made that took priority over genetics when she became pregnant by one of a kind ancestor Isaac and her babies were innocent in the womb incapable of good or bad she received special assurance from God what God did in this case has made it perfectly plain that his purpose is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do Ooh, religious people don't like that They don't like that, that his purposes, friends, 
are not dependent on what we do or don't do. I'm telling you right now, this is such an interesting way to write this. This, this is in the message version written by one of the greatest theologians in the world. His name is Eugene Peterson. And he translates, he says, his purpose, what God has planned, is not a hit or miss thing dependent on what we do or don't do, but a, a sure thing determined by his decision flowing steadily from his initiative. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place later. That was turned into a stark epigram. I love Jacob. I hated Esau. Let's pray in this place today. Father, we thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that as we go into your word, that your word would go into us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to share from the thought today, the promise, because I'm fascinated by it, the promise took priority over genetics. The, the promise of God took priority over genetics today. I'm so thankful that we serve a God that makes and keeps every single one of his promises. Because I've been around some people before that made some promises. They said, Pete, if you need me, just call me and I'll answer the phone. How many of you know I'm still waiting for a call, right? They said, Peter, if you need me, just let me know I'll be there. How many of you know they never showed up, but that is not our God. He makes and keeps all of his promises. And 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 20 says, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are all a yes and an amen in Christ. Key word is in Christ. That's why Jesus is the foundation of everything we believe because in Christ, when we're in Christ, committed to Christ, lost in Christ, all the promises that God has made over thousands of generations become a yes and an amen. Every single promise for healing, every single promise for blessing, every single promise for transformation, they all become a yes and an amen in Christ. And I love that that scripture says, for how many? For how many? Because if we do some math, we'll figure out that there's about 8,800 promises in the Bible. Let's do some math together today. There's 365 days in a year. If you do 8,800 divided by 365, you'll get 24.1. There's 24 promises for every single day of your life. Or let me say it like this. There is a promise for every hour. So if you are discouraged, I'm going to have to say that's on you today because God made a promise for every hour, for every situation, for every moment of every minute in your life. His promises are all a yes and an amen. Oh, when I saw how powerful the promises of God this year, I was in a camp and uh, there was a young man that needed his inhaler about every two seconds, okay? And uh, he came over to me, hi, my name's Robert. <laughs> I just want to meet you and, you know, just needed his inhaler. Young man, I was like, you are breathing very heavy. We need the glory of God on your life, right? And uh, I rem I'll never forget this. I, I preached the message and we got to the altar and I recognized that Robert was there at the altar. His hands were lifted high. He did not have his inhaler in his hand. I was concerned. He said, Pastor Peter, he came over to me after the service. He said, God spoke to me. I no longer need my inhaler. I was like, um, uh, what are you, what you talking about, Robert? He said, I went outside after the altar and I took my inhaler and I smashed it on the ground. He said, I'm free. I said, oh, we going to jail. Every adult in this camp is going to jail. And I'm too cute to go to jail, you know? And I was like, yo, this is, this is not okay. And I, I'm, I'm in the space and I, I'll never forget it. Robert called his mom. I wanted to be present when he made the call. He said, mom, oh, you'll never believe it. He said, God spoke to me while I was at the altar. And she's like, that's sweet, baby. He said, I no longer need my inhaler. I'm breathing fine. She's like, that's fine, Robert. Make sure you have it on you, though. He said, too late, mom. I already broke it because Pastor Peter said, I said, mm -mm. Pastor Peter didn't say nothing. Mm -mm. 
I was like, I don't even know you, Robert. We're not even like that, you know? But how many of you know all, that, all those jokes to say that young man got healed at that altar never to pick up his inhaler again and the power of God fell on his life and he prayed in the spirit and the Holy Spirit did a miraculous work in his life because the promises of God are greater than our genetics. Oh, I got a testimony just a few weeks ago. My friend Weston texted me. He said, hey, do you remember this couple that you prayed for that was battling infertility for nine years? I said, man, I prayed for a lot of people this year. Give me a little more context. Explain to me. So he starts to regurgitate their story, and he tells me about this couple that I laid my hands on, on the wife's womb, and I began to pray for her and say, God, would you fill this, well, this, this womb with a, with a child? These are great parents. They're men and women of God. They're going to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anyway, he tells me, he said, Peter, that couple that you prayed for, he said, after you prayed, they felt like something broke off off of their life. And he said, do you know that they just announced for the first time that they are pregnant? Why? Because the promises of God have priority over all our genetics. Come on. This is our God. It was the promise of God that left Moses the courage to march into Egypt to demand the Israelites. It was the promise of God that gave Noah the endurance to build. It was the promise of God that gave Abraham the wisdom to leave his home. It was the promise of God that gave the people of God the mental fortitude to march around Jericho. It was the promise of God that showed up in a little girl's room and said, you will give birth to God. It is the promise of God that has priority, y'all over our genetics. Now, do you know what I mean today when I say genetics? I'm talking about our family history, our family bondage. I'm talking about habitual sins. And the reason we need to talk about this today is because many people have used their genetics as an excuse to live however they want. Huh? Yeah, you know, uh, divorce just kind of runs in our family and my great-grandfather got divorced and my grandfather got divorced and now my, my parents were divorced and so I just don't even want to get married. So see, that's why I just, I just kind of want to do my own thing. Like I have like, like friends, you know, even friends with benefits and high, you know, like that kind of thing. But marriage isn't for me because it just didn't work out in my family. Or, 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 yeah, we've never had any money. We're not, you know, we, nobody in my family's ever been wealthy or had any of that before. So I'm not going to trust God with my finances or, or tithe or give off. I just don't know. We've never had money. Man, you can live that way if you want to. You can be broke if you want to. But the last time I checked, the Bible says that he holds a thousand cattle on a thousand hills. The last time I checked, the Bible says that all of our finances belong to the Lord. And he can multiply them over and over again for the glory of God. Now watch this. Some people would say, well, isn't that the prosperity gospel? To which I would respond, absolutely yes. Prosperity for your soul, not your pockets. Yeah. Absolutely. And here's what I'm seeing today is this, as a group of people who no longer believe that his promises have priority over genetics. Ooh, this happened this year. Uh, my, my aunts, they, uh, they spoke to me. They were speaking over me a, a lot, but they spoke it to me recently. Uh, like they didn't know that the promise of God had priority over genetics. And if I could just be vulnerable for just a moment, uh, my father uh, is not a man I was close with. And uh, just to be real, my, he was like a, a womanizer, you know, like addicted to alcohol. He stole from his family. And from his job and my aunts would always say this to me Peter you remind us so much of your dad you have the same tendencies as your father 
right? They would kind of point that to me over and over again. And then the Holy Spirit began to speak to me as he wooed me towards himself. Yeah, yeah, they had an idea of where our family had been, but they had no idea about where our family was going. They had no idea. Man, they had an idea of the blood that flowed in my veins, but no idea of the blood of Jesus that covered my life. Oh, his promises. His promises have priority over your genetics. Why am I preaching this today? Because I don't want you to tolerate anything the enemy has put in your family. Oh, if we are going to deepen the stakes, then we need to get deeper in the promises of God so that we don't tolerate the foolishness that the enemy leaves at our doorstep. You're like, what foolishness? What do you mean? I'm talking about your family that isn't saved. Well, maybe they'll come around. No, 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 don't tolerate it today. I don't even want you to tolerate one sniffle, one drop, one sneeze. I don't want you to tolerate sickness. I don't want you to tolerate brokenness. I don't want you to tolerate depression. Can I tell you the promises of God have priority over your genetics? Oh, depression might run in your family, but the promises of God are greater. Suicide might run in your family, but the promises of God are greater. Brokenness might run in your family, but the promises of God are greater. Lust might run in your family, but the promises of God are greater, are greater today. In our story today, the main character in our story is a woman by the name of Rebecca, which ladies, let me talk to you for a second. As I look at the whole religious scene today, I am totally blown away by uh, what I see concerning the women of God and the men of God uh, as we follow Jesus. You know, there's more today, it seems like more people talking about how women can't do ministry and how they're called to play background roles. And that's why today I felt it so deeply in my soul that if we as a church and, uh, you know, wherever we're, at, we're watching are going to deepen the stakes, I needed to speak to the women for the for moment and just say this, that God called you to be a main character of faith. Come on, you're not a background character today. The Holy Spirit has anointed you and filled you with his presence and with his power. And when we start disqualifying half of the army, how do we expect to win the war? How do we expect it today? Oh, Rebecca was a main character. Actually, I love what it says about Philip's daughters. The scripture says Philip had four daughters and they were known for what? They weren't known for who they were married to. They weren't known for how many kids they had. They were known by their ability to prophesy, their ability to hear from God, their ability to walk in the spirit. And I guess what I'm saying today is as we deepen the stakes, as we move forward, understanding the promises of God, there's a few ladies in here that have been content playing a background role when God has called you to step up in faith. Oh, y'all don't like that. Okay, praise him. Uh, And that's not the only time. Rebecca. Rebecca is our main character today. Rebecca uh, is the wife of Isaac, as in Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now watch this. Rebecca has two sons. We learn about them at the end of the scripture, Jacob and Esau. But when we catch her in this moment, she's battling infertility, right? Uh, Rebecca's battling infertility. And that might not be a big deal to you. You might not think too much about that. But I want you to know, Rebecca, because she's married to Isaac, that makes uh, the patriarch of our faith, Abraham, her father-in-law. Okay, this is a big deal today because everybody would have known in the land the promise that God made to Abraham. The promise was that God would take Abraham and make him the father of many nations. And as you know, his wife, Sarah, she was infertile as well. And God did a miracle in her life. And in their old age, they gave birth to a beautiful baby boy named Isaac. And so here is Rebecca. She's a part of this family. She knows, she knows what God has spoken over this family. And here's what I can only think about it. She's in this illustrious family, these important people. She marries into it. And the only thing standing in the way of the promise of God over this family is this girl. 
The only person in direct opposition to what God has called this family to is this girl. Now imagine how she felt. She probably felt overwhelmed. She probably felt discouraged. She probably felt like, man, God, why is this happening? Man, this is what I think Rebecca said. She probably said, God, why did you allow me to be in this family? Have you ever said that before? Why did you put me in this family? Could you imagine how her husband Isaac felt? Because infertility preceded his life, and now infertility is present in his life, right? Isaac is a man who, man, he's like, God, I love you, and I trust you, yet here I am continuing to see and experience the horrors of infertility, right? Imagine Isaac's mom. Now, we know, okay, right, his, his mom, which would make her Rebecca's mother-in-law, and we know mother-in-laws, they're amazing. <laughs> they're amazing. And... Imagine, I, listen, Sarah, I imagine she was, a, she was a very compassionate person, but y'all got to remember now, she is old, okay? She is old, old. And so now she's probably lost her composure, her patience, and she's like, Isaac, you could have married any girl in the entire world. Your father is known all across the world, and you bring her? Can you imagine? How Rebecca feels. Friends, Rebecca represents every single person who is frustrated at the realities of their life. Re Rebecca represents everyone who is disappointed at the life that God gave them. Rebecca doesn't fit in at home because she's infertile and she wouldn't have fit in into society because women in that day found their value in how many kids they have. Have you ever felt like you don't fit into either place? This is her story. And I'll tell you, this story is so powerful because how the Holy Holy Spirit shows up to her is what I believe is going to encourage a lot of us today because we've been in this position the same as Rebecca. Some of us have been there before and a few of us are here, that are here today and I believe God is going to encourage you with his word. Let me show you. It says, and that's not the only time Rebecca, also a promise was made that took priority over genetics. I want you to catch this today. Here's what the Holy Spirit spoke to me, that God will use his word to meet you at your weakest point. Are you hearing me today? Now I know some of you are like, I've heard that before. I've been in church all my life. Duh. His word will meet me at my weakest point. Watch this for a second, right? Here it is, is we know every single one of us are called to read the scriptures, but I want to show you where Rebecca was at. She was frustrated in this moment when the Holy Spirit came to her, where a promise was made that took priority over genetics. She was frustrated because her womb was empty. Her womb was void. It was, there was darkness. There was no life. And as I begin to search through the scriptures, this is not the first time that the Lord has met his people in a position or met uh, darkness or void or empty. This isn't the first time. Actually, the first time that the Lord encountered darkness and empty and void is in Genesis chapter 1, when it says the earth was void and formless and empty and dark. And in that, God spoke, let there be light, friends. Oh, do you see the, co the contrast today or the correlation that God is willing to speak light into every place that seems dark in your life? Your weakness is not a deterrent to God. He's not afraid of your weakness. He's not afraid of your darkness. He's not afraid of your brokenness. And so many people have generations of things that have happened in their family that they're not willing to bring to God so he never lets light get on it. And for generation to generation, we carry the same narrative, broken and hurting and frustrated. And then our kids are broken and hurting and frustrated. And then 10 generations, they're broken and hurting and frustrated because we won't allow his word to meet us at our weakest point. It says the earth was dark, meaning there was nothing happening. Some of you feel like that, like your faith is dark and, 
and formless. Like there's nothing happening. I don't understand. And empty. And in the middle of it, God is whispering, let me speak light in that situation. Let my word meet you at your weakest point. Let my words get on the inside of you. Now watch this today. I don't mean to play semantics with you today, but the scriptures are very clear that it is the word of God. And I want to show you this. The scripture is incredibly important, inspired by 66 or by many different authors, 66 different books, definitely by the Holy Spirit, all from multiple generations. It is the inspired word of God. But the scriptures are the words of God. Words of God. The Bible says in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. So when I say today that the Word will meet you in your weakness, I'm not talking about a book. I'm talking about the man himself, Jesus, who is the Word of God. He'll meet you in every situation you're in. He'll meet you exactly what you're, what you're going through, and he will speak life into that situation. Friends, let's not just relegate and say, oh, the words of God. No, the Word of God himself is present, and he'll use his Word to meet you at your weakest point. That's what happens for Rebecca. And it says, when she became pregnant by one of her kind ancestor, Isaac, and her babies were still in the womb, incapable of good or bad, she received special assurance from God. Oh, I love that. She received assurance from who? From God. Can I tell you today, some of us have been so content to receive assurance from humans, we've, not, we've decided we're not going to get the assurance of heaven. How much are we missing out on today? Well, she said she received special assurance from God. See, I was taught that if you have doubts, if you have doubts with God, you're not going to receive special assurance. As a matter of fact, doubt will displace you from the presence of God. But here's point number two, my doubt will not displace the power of God in my life. It's not going to happen. Your doubt is not going to move God away from you. Rebecca received special assurance. See, I grew up in a church where they thought everything was sending you to hell. They're like, oh, you want to play Uno? You're going to draw four in hell. You know? Oh, you want to take a shower without soap? You're dirty. You're going to hell. You know what I mean? You want to cheat on the keto diet by having a little bit of bread? Hell! It's going to be hot. Right? They thought everything was sending you to hell. I'm like, yo. This can't be it. I don't believe in eternal security. I don't believe in eternal insecurity either. So here we are. Rebecca received special assurance from God. And I guess I just want to say to someone today, you would be shocked at how much God is willing to come and assure you. Do you know where we actually get this thought that God dispels us out of his presence because of our doubts? We get it from the story of doubting Thomas, Right? That's where we get it from. But before anybody could label Thomas a doubter, if you look back early in the scriptures, I would actually label him Thomas the Brave because Jesus was like, hey, he told all the disciples, hey, I have to go die for you. And they were like, "Uh, nose goes, I'm not going. And Thomas said, let us go that we might die with him. So before you label Thomas a doubter, he was actually called Thomas the Brave. But we know the story. Uh, Thomas is uh, one of the disciples. He's with Jesus. He saw Jesus die on the cross. And the disciples come to him, the other disciples, and they say, Jesus is alive. He's here with us again. And Thomas is like, okay. All right. You guys, I'm trying to tell you, I, I saw him with the holes in his hand, and I saw him with the holes in his side. And until I put my hands there, I won't believe you. Right? Any of us probably would have been put, if put in that same situation, would have had the same reaction as Thomas. And you know the story, as, the, as they're having that moment, as Jesus, as they're talking about Jesus, the Bible says that Jesus walked, gets into the room without opening the door. Come on. You know what I mean? Like your ex-girlfriend, just, hey, what are you doing? How'd you get in here? 
I still have a key. Somebody changed the lock. You know what I mean? Like, Jesus, you're not even going to use the door. It's that kind of moment, right? She, she, Jesus shows up in the room and he says, Thomas, here, put your, put your hands in the holes in my hands. Put your hand in, in the side, in my side, so you can see where the spear went through. Friends, Jesus is not afraid, even in our doubt, to let you and I touch him. Oh, come on, tell that to every pastor who told you, well, you need to get yourself right before you come into the presence of God. Now, don't believe it today. You can come as you are in the middle of where you're at, and my God will meet you there. He'll speak to you. He'll change you. He'll transform you, and you will leave different than the way you came in. Oh, the scripture says that Jesus allowed Thomas to touch him. And most of us would take that story because we read it only at one segment, not in context, and say, wow, how embarrassing for Thomas. How embarrassing. See, Jesus came to embarrass him because he didn't believe. But I suggest to you today, friends, that that is a complete lie. Now, I don't want to get you, I want you to read the scripture, but I also want you to understand Christian history. Christian history tells us that Thomas takes the gospel as far as India. That's why many people who are from India take on the last name Thomas. He took the gospel further than any other disciple. And the, the Christian history books tell us that Thomas, he set up churches, he baptized many people, and ultimately he was killed for his faith. So I suggest to you today that when Thomas was doubting and Jesus showed up to let him touch him, Jesus didn't come into the room to embarrass Thomas. Jesus came in the room to ignite Thomas. And Thomas went where nobody had ever gone before. And Thomas did what no one had ever done before. Why? Because his doubts don't dispel his presence in my life. They don't. And Thomas becomes the disciple who would take the gospel further that everyone ever imagined because Jesus shows up to let, let him touch him even in his doubt. He comes to assure us, not embarrass us. I know it's hard. I tell people all the time, it's not hard to come to the altar the first time. It's hard to come on time 46, 47, and 48. You're like, they see me. Yeah, we see you. But more importantly, he sees you. And he knows what you're going through. And if you would take steps of faith, you would meet a God who could transform every portion of your life. How many families, okay, let me give you this picture today. I got 12 minutes. I'm going to use every single one of them. Let me give you this picture today. How many families for multiple generations are walk, walking in brokenness and in bondage because somebody won't step up out, there, out of their seat and lay down whatever habitual sin is going on in their family? But his, his promises have priority for genetics. Okay, let me go a little Bible nerd for you just for a moment. I want to show you that whatever one generation will tolerate will totally traumatize the next generation. Whatever one generation tolerates, the next generation will be totally um, just captured and totally uh, just transformed in a bad way by what's going on. Let me show you the story. So the stories of, of, of Abraham. But to understand the story of Abraham, this person I'm talking about, you got to understand the story of Noah, right? There's this moment in the scripture where Noah, the Bible says he has too many Capri sons and he's drunk in a tent, okay? I don't know how that happens. Maybe they were Kool-Aid jammers. My man was getting litty, okay? So he's, he's drunk and he's in a tent and the Bible said he's naked. I'm sorry. This is what the scripture says, okay? This is what happened, right? So he has three sons. He's not, Noah is great at building boats, but he's not creative at naming names. He has three sons, Ham, Sham, and Japheth. Those are terrible names, okay? I'm just telling you, right? So here he is. He's naked in a tent and the Bible says that his son Ham comes in and looks at his father in an inappropriate way, right? It was the wrong way. 
The other two brothers, Shem and Japheth, they come in and they cover their father's nakedness, right? And when their father gets up, they tell their dad, hey, dad, Ham looked at you weird. It was very weird. So here's what Noah does. He gets up and he says, cursed be Canaan. Now, who is Canaan? Canaan is Ham's son, right? Canaan is Ham's son. So Noah said, what your father did is greatly going to affect you, and that's not going to change. So that man, when, when Noah spoke that over his grandson, wherever Canaan went, that place was going to be cursed forever. You're saying, what's the correlation? Why are you telling us that? Because I'm telling you, there's some things that you and I are tolerating, some things we haven't laid down at the altar, some things that we've allowed to stick to us, some things that we've allowed to be connected to us. And I'm telling you, the generation coming after us will experience the traumatization of that. If we we don't lay it down at the altar. Would you come and get his assurance today? Ooh, when I think about people tolerating their sin, I think about this story. I'm sure we've told it here before, but I'm going to tell it again. It's of this woman who had a pet snake. First of all, why would you have an animal that represents the devil? You strange right there. I just have snakes. I love snakes. Some of y'all are weird like that. It's okay. We have a special altar call for you after the service. This woman had a pet snake and her snake decided to stop eating. And so she took her snake to the doctor. She said, doctor, well, something's wrong with my snake. My snake's not eating. And so the doctor looked at the woman, looked at the snake and said, um, let me ask you a couple questions. Uh, about when did your snake stop eating? She said, about a week ago, right? My snake stopped eating. He said, okay, good, good, good. He said, um, by any chance, do you let your snake sleep with you? Yeah, I know. She said, oh my gosh, how did you know? Just love to cuddle him, snake. He said, oh, okay, all right, that's cool. He said, by any chance, when you wake up in the morning, is your snake stretched out directly next to you? She said, yes, he's so silly. He, of course, is stretched out to me. He said, ma'am, I, I want to tell you, I got good news and I got bad news. The good news is that your snake is fine. She said, "Woo!" He said, the bad news is that your snake is preparing to eat you. Some of us in this room have been allowing things to cuddle up with us for multiple generations that will consume the generation after us. We have no idea that what we are coddling will consume us. That's why we got to get to the altar and get his assurance. I need you to, the scripture says it like this. What God did in this case was made it perfectly plain to Rebecca that his purpose is not a hit or miss thing, dependent on what we do Ooh, or don't do. And I said it before, but I know people hate this today because you would love to believe that what you do determines what God will do. Now, let me say this today. This doesn't remove us of responsibility. If you're reading that and you go, ooh, I can just live however I want. I can go wherever I want, say whatever I want, do whatever I want. Friends, you're totally missing today. No, what the scripture is saying to us is that God has already aligned his purpose. And yes, he loves us enough to partner with us, but what he has planned to do is not going to be stopped by any human, by any person, by any circumstance, by any situation. I've had people come up to me before and they say it like this. They go, I get... I messed up God's plans. I'm like, listen, you are not big enough. You are not big enough to mess up the plan of God. You are not strong enough to mess up the plan of God. That's why the scriptures say that even if you and I decide not to worship, ooh, this is so funny. People decide not to worship in church. They're like, I just don't like these songs. I'm like, good, we're not singing to you. What are you talking about? You didn't die for anybody. You didn't heal anybody. You didn't do, we're not singing to you. I just, I don't know why Pastor John would sing it again. We get it. He's reckless and he loves. No, we're not singing to you. We're singing to him. Right? The, the Bible tells us 
that even if you and I, if we decide, I don't want to sing, I don't want to cry, that even the rocks will cry out. First, now, now I want you to see this. I was in Israel in December, right? It was just me and a sea of Jews, just a bunch of white people, one black dude. I looked like a period at the end of a sentence. Just, just right there. And they were looking at me, and I was looking at them. Y'all good? At one point, I tried to, they were doing this little dance at the wall. I tried to get in, they pushed me out, but I was like, it's cool. I got my own people. And, and I saw that as we were at the Wailing Wall, where people go to pray because they believe on the other side of it was the Holy of Holies before the temple was destroyed. And I saw all the debris of the rocks falling down. And I couldn't help but think, how many people have been here praying against this wall? How many chips of rocks have people torn off the wall because they prayed a prayer of faith and they, they write little prayers and they stick it in the wall to try to get it on the other side to the Holy of Holies? And I thought about this scripture that even the rocks cry out. Friends, there have been thousands of prayers, thousands of rocks, millions of rocks all over Israel for God to say, listen, you can decide whether you want or not to give me praise, but even if you don't decide, I'm getting my praise. I'm getting my glory. I'm getting my honor. Why? Because his promises are greater than genetics. God says, I've been too good to you to not let myself be worshiped. See, worship is the one thing that we can give God that he cannot give himself. But if you and I choose to not do it, friends, he will get his worship. Oh, the scripture tells us that the angels have been in the presence of God for thousands of years, flying around the throne room of grace. And even though they've seen everything on earth that has been done, even though they've been in heavenly places that you and I cannot imagine, their creativity lacks as they stare into the opulence of the one who spoke man into existence. And the only thing they've been saying for millions of years is holy, 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 holy is the Lord. What does that tell you and I today, friends? That his purposes will not be thwarted by the things of the enemy or by the plans of mankind. His promises are greater than genetics. And I guess I'm talking to a lot of people in this room who I believe want to deepen the stakes. And I'm telling you, if you're going to deepen the stakes, don't tolerate anything that the enemy is allowed to be a part of your family. Don't tolerate sickness. Yo, yeah, I'm just afraid because everyone in my family had this disease. Well, it stops with you. When did we stop believing that God could do the impossible? When did we stop believing that he could change everything with just one word? When did we stop believing that he can heal the sick and friends even raise the dead? When did we stop believing? His promises whoo, are greater, are greater than genetics. And the scripture tells us, it says, but a sure thing determined by his decision, flowing steadily from his initiative. God told Rebecca, the firstborn of your twins will take second place later. That turned into a stark epigram. Love Jacob, and I hated Esau. His plans are better. Friends, this, this message today is a message that I want to share because I want, you to, I want to remind you today that you are never at the mercy of your situation. You're not at the mercy of your situation. You are not at the mercy of whatever's going on, has been going on for generations in your family. His promises, worship team, you can come back up. His promises have priority over your genetics. Can I tell you about one of my students? I'm going to close here today. I had a student in my ministry who, uh, 
<laughs> I love students because they're rude sometimes. <laughs> I had a young lady in my ministry. She came to me and she gave a confession. She said, Pastor, I need to confess something. I said, what? She said, uh, I've been stealing from the church. I said, what? What have you been stealing? She said, anointing oil. I said, wait a minute. Okay, so you stole from the church. That's bad. But it's anointing oil. So does that cancel each other? I don't know. <laughs> anointing oil. She stole anointing oil from the church. I said, well, what are you doing with the oil? She said, you keep saying that God can do amazing things in my family. And I'm tired of hearing you talk about it. I want to see it. I said, oh my, you are spicy. I like it. So I said, what you been doing? She said, I've been anointing my house with oil. She said, my parents, they just keep walking around going, what is that smell? She said, my parents are walking up with pimples on their head, just massive because I'm anointing their pillows. Ah, in the name of Jesus. I said, woo. She said, I'm going to see him saved, Pastor. And what I found in this young lady is what I'm hoping for, for every believer in this room, this, this resilience to say, uh-uh, I've heard God do it for everyone else. And now it's time to see him do it for me. I've heard about him freeing other people's children. And now I want him to free my children. I've heard him heal other people's diseases. And now I want to see him heal my diseases. I've heard about him do miracles for everybody else. But I'm taking a turn that it's my turn. It's my turn to see God work. It's my turn to see God move. It's my turn to see God change. It's my turn to see God shift. It's my turn. Because his promises have priority over genetics. Oh, I wish somebody would give God a shout of praise in this place today oh come on come on stay remain standing with me and that young lady she couldn't get her parents to come to church so she she decided she said I don't know how I'm gonna do it but she decided to get baptized one day and when she, got, when she signed up to get baptized, her parents decided that they were coming. Some of us in this room, your unsafe family is on the other side of you going more public with your faith. <laughs> I'm trying to tell you. He's on the other side of you going more public. And she comes to church and she gets baptized and I'm the one baptizing her. So you know what I did? I dunked her like LeBron James. Bow out! And I remember who she was before she started serving Jesus. So I held her under there a little longer. Can I let him... Let them use you, girl. <laughs> Her parents are in the front row. At the end of the service, Pastor preaches an incredible word. They come to the front to give their lives to Christ. Yeah. Acne all over their face in Jesus' name. And an altar worker is there to pray with the parents. And the young lady comes up pushes the altar worker out of the way and go, you didn't pray for them to get here. So you're not going to lead them to Jesus. I'm going to lead them to Jesus because I prayed. Now watch this today. I, I need to get you on the same page. I don't care where you're from. First, there are some prayers that you're going to pray that are coming to pass as soon as you can imagine. But would you have a little resilience today? Would you let your faith grow just a little bit today and say, I'm not going to let anyone else walk this in. I'm not going to let anyone else take credit. I prayed for this. I believe for this. It stopped with me. It changed with me. It shifted with me. It broke because of me because I put my faith 
in Jesus. His promises have priority over genetics today. Oh, thank you, God. Would you just close your eyes with me today? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Lord, I, I'm 100% sure that you are in this place. I pray, God, that I've communicated this word in such a way that people are ready to pray and believe that no matter what has been on their family for multiple generations can stop with them today. Let me talk to you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your family, addiction runs in your family, but it stops with you. Anger runs in your family, but it stops with you. The cycle of continually not talking to one another and being broken, it stops with you. Addiction and suicide, pain and despair, poor and hurting, it stops with you. Abba, I pray that you would move in a special way in this place. Thank you, God. Your promises are greater. One for every hour of every day. Oh, if you're discouraged, that's on you. He's giving you material for every hour of every day. Holy Spirit, move in this place. It's time for us to deepen the stakes, church. That's not just our pastor's vision. That's a word from God. To deepen these stakes, let's not tolerate anything in our families anymore. I hope you enjoyed listening to the Faith Assembly podcast. Thank you for joining us in pursuit of growing closer to Christ. Stay tuned for more messages released every week. God bless.